And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Harry Kane was brought back from an ankle injury and took until the second half to grow into the game. Spurs didn't have the game taken away from them until the end, but it never felt like they had a foothold in it either. Moussa Sissoko made a costly mistake, but ultimately Tottenham were beaten by a much better team. The same story in the Champions League final in 2019 as it was in the Carabao Cup final in 2021. Either way, Tottenham feel further away, I think, from winning something than they did two years ago. So the question is, how do they get back there? My name's Jack Pitbrook, you're listening to the View from the Lane podcast. I'm joined, as always, by James Moore. James, Son Hyung min looked devastated at the final whistle. Uh, he wasn't the only Spurs player as well. To look that upset, I imagine Spurs fans are feeling the same. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it was an hour and a half of suffering bad football um, again. But this time with the killer blow coming at the end, which, um, I mean, I suppose you could argue it wasn't necessarily massively different to all of those league games except they haven't taken the lead and uh, intentionally sat in. I, I, I'm not sure you could say that was a, like some kind of grand master plan to um, not have any of the ball and be camped in the own penalty area like that. So, yeah, I, in, in spite of that, you know, when you get to the 85th minute and it's still nil-nil, you do start to think, well, maybe there is some way that uh, something stupid is going to happen and they're going to win the game, but unfortunately not. Yeah, it was a strange game. Uh, and w- we, we will get into the football, but first things first, as an occasion... With fans and everything, it was you know it was very very different from what we've experienced over the course of the last year. I have to say, on a personal level, I did, did feel very very privileged to be there. Of course, you know, of course, it's it's a privilege to go to all the games that have, ha- have taken place over the last year. But simply having a few thousand fans in, I think there were just under eight thousand fans, made it feel much more real. You know, I know there were eighty eighty plus thousand empty seats there, but. It did just feel like a real game. You know, the stakes were very obvious. It was tense. Um, the fans from both sides, I think, were very loud. You know, I was on the Manchester City side, the the West um, press box, so I was closer to the City fans than to the Tottenham fans. But you could really, you could really feel the stakes of the game, and it was on a personal level, it was just really nice. You know, on the way in, although the transport was a nightmare, the tubes were cancelled and everything, which is a kind of classic nature is healing moment. But on the way in, you know, being surrounded by fans and then fans having a beer outside Wembley. And um, yeah, it was, you know, it was not the classic Wembley experience, but it was good. And yeah, James, there was that moment, uh, I don't know if it came through on TV, but obviously Spurs didn't really touch the ball for the first 10 minutes. Then they won a corner on about 18 minutes and there was such a loud roar. And it was like, yeah, you you kind of really remember what what a football crowd sounds like. I don't know how James, how well it came through on TV, that sort of thing. You could see that, you could uh, hear that on TV. That did come across, yeah. And I think that definitely was a roar of relief as much as anything else that the ball wasn't going to go immediately back into the Tottenham penalty area, rather than kind of encouraging the team to create a chance. How did it sound on TV? 
I, I've got to say, they kept going on about it on commentary on Sky. My and Tyler kept saying, oh, it sounds so much better for real fans. And obviously for him, the experience would have been totally different because he's used to the silence. But I, I don't think... It's probably a testament to how uh, good, actually, the, the crowd noises that they put on the games are because I didn't really notice... I mean, there were moments like that one you just mentioned where you could really tell it was different. But like in the kind of general flow of play, I, I didn't really think it was actually that... Di- I, this is going to sound massively disrespectful to the people that were there, the fans that were there, so I apologise. And I know some of them will be listening, so I'm, I apologise. But it really didn't sound that different. I mean, obviously to people, in the, to the players, it would have been like totally different. I mean, it would have been yeah. much better. Uh, but to me, like sat watching on TV in Kingston upon Thames, it was just, it wasn't that different. That's interesting. One thing I would be interested in, actually, if anyone's listening who could fill us in on this, let us know. I was wondering in advance if there'd be much kind of anti-Enoch, anti-Daniel Levy stuff after the events of the last week. But I wasn't really aware of any because of where where I was sat. But I don't. I'm not saying that there wasn't any of that. Did hear quite a lot of Ryan Mason's blue and white army that sort of thing, both on the way into the ground and during the game. But um, yeah, if you were there, then um, tweet us and let us know what the atmosphere was like because I would be would be interested to hear. Particularly given you know we can touch on this later, but given the week that Tottenham have had, you know, it's worth saying that on, on Friday evening, the Tottenham Hotspurs Supporters Trust passed a motion calling for the resignation of Tottenham's executive board and a replacement with a new board, which contains fan representation. So obviously, you know, some of the ill feeling from the Super League rumbles on. But look, that's a separate point. Back on the back on the football, let's start from the start. I think that the team selection that Mason made has come in for a fair bit of stick. Uh, he got it massively and wrong, it, I think. It did raise a few eyebrows, didn't it? The selection of bringing Winks back in from Dombele in a game in which Spurs were trying to play out from the back against a team who was going to press them. Because it, it just didn't really make sense because Ndombele is so good at his ability to take the ball in difficult situations and get through a press. You know, we, we've seen him do that so many times this season. And it meant that, you know, Lloris would take these short goal kicks out to Dyer and Alderweireld who would then have Foden, Mares, Sterling, De Bruyne all around them. They couldn't get the ball out to Winks and Hoiberg. And so Dyer and Alderweireld would just hack it up the pitch. City would win the ball and come straight back at them. I've got to say, I, I thought uh, bringing Winks into the team, and I thought Winks actually played quite well. And I know people will think we've been quite staunch defenders of Winks over the last couple of months, but I thought he did fine. Um, I, and I guess... Partly the thinking was that Ndombele played badly on Wednesday night and he was really bad on Wednesday night. But I, I, I just, you know, you could see in that first, but particularly in that first 20 minutes, as you just alluded to, like they just couldn't get a foot on the ball at all. And you know Ndombele, you know, we, we kind of compared him in that way to uh, Moussa Dembele before, but like if they if they give him the ball, he will, he will keep on, he will hold on to the ball for a few seconds. And in those few seconds, the whole team can move up the pitch and create passing options and whatever for him. And it's just going to like, enable everyone to like calm down you know like slow down City's momentum and just completely change the complexion of the game in that kind of very minor way then the knock-on effect is you would hope that Spurs are actually going to get a foothold and yeah I'm not I'm not sure that Lo Celso and again I mean I know he's playing in a different role to the role that we would have expected Ndombele to play if he was on the pitch but I, I don't really think he offered that or much else, to be honest. Yeah, and that, that did feel like a big mistake. I had to hold my hands up as well and say, I think at half time I tweeted that, or, or t- tweeted suggesting that Harry Kane should, should have been hooked. Uh, and I didn't think he was good in the first half. I thought he, he looked way off the pace in the first half. And he wasn't really offering an outlet, like as the central striker or dropping off and creating anything in midfield either. 
But in the second half, clearly, you'd probably say by the end of the game, he was, what, Tottenham's second or third best player, maybe? You'd probably say Lloris was first. I thought Lucas was very good for the hour. I mean, he looked nothing yeah. when he came off, but I, I thought Lucas was good. So yeah, in the end, that was a good shout. So <laughs> playing a best player actually was a good idea. So good idea. Nice one. Yeah, it's interesting. Our, so our colleague, uh, Michael Cox, Zonal Marking, tweeted this morning, um, struggling to think of a better midfielder in England for what Spurs is needed yesterday than Tangi and Dombele. Assuming there's no issue we don't know about, one of the strangest selection substitution decisions I can remember. And it's funny, after the game, um, Dan Kilpatrick at the Evening Standard did ask Ryan Mason about why didn't you play in Dombele, given, given what you obviously needed tactically from the game. And Mason didn't really in, engage in it. He admitted that, you know... He, we wanted to play in a certain way. You know, he talked about how important it was to, to build up from the back. And he said, oh, while I'm here, that's how I want the team to play. And the players believe in that as well. So clearly, you know, he's got an attachment to that kind of building through the pitch approach. But unfortunately for Tottenham, they didn't play the player who would have helped them to do that the most. In terms of Kane, well, if he could get onto the pitch, I think it was always likely that Kane was going to play. And, you know, as Mason said in the build-up to the game, I think this was fair enough. It's not exactly the same as Champions League final 2019. You know, the Champions League final in 2019 came after two months out. That Everton game was actually only nine days ago which feels bizarre given everything that's happened in those nine days. In terms of Kane's performance, though, I did think it was quite similar to the Champions League final in the sense that he couldn't really get in it in the first half. You know, he's losing a lot of headers and everything to Laporte and Diaz. Diaz kind of knocked him over with that one big tackle from behind. But it was only really when Kane dropped deep and started getting on the ball. I did think he was really good in the second half. And it was just one of those performances from Spurs where it's not it wasn't inevitable that they were going to lose, but if they were going to create or score something, they really needed not just Kane to be at his best, but also the other guys around him. Yeah. You know, he needed if he had if he'd had like, if Spurs had had a fully fit son or a fully fit Bale or even Lucas to have one of his magical good days, then maybe Kane could have slipped a pass through and they would have banged one in. I mean look I- <laughs> ultimately this is going to sound like I'm blaming this all on Mourinho, which which isn't really what I'm doing because this season has been incredibly long and draining. But what what they really needed was Son uh, probably to have not played quite so much football in the last few months and people like Bergwijn to maybe have played quite a lot more. Uh, and I, you kind of feel like then you might have like a sort of a fresher Son, a sharper Son, and also Bergwijn to come on with, you know, more minutes in his legs and a bit more rhythm, which would just give him far more of a chance to actually make an impact when he came on, which, again, he didn't really do. And he hasn't really been able to do in any of the little cameos he's made over the last couple of months. You know, there are players in that team, a lot of players in that team that have had a lot of minutes this season. You think, you know, Son and Kane, obviously, Hoiberg, Dyer, Aurier. I know he's kind of been out of the team in the last couple of months, in and out, but he's played a lot as well. So... You know, and and Don as well. By the way, has played loads, and you can kind of see a slight downturn in his performance. And I know it's kind of partly been a tactical thing. There, he's ended up playing a bit deeper, and maybe that was a factor. But also, he's played a lot of football this season. And I do wonder whether that kind of took its toll in some of those individual performances, uh, particularly Son, who who I thought. I mean, I, I mentioned it a couple of times in the last few weeks. So I think he's been off the boil for a while, and I do wonder whether that anguish on his face at the end of the game was kind of born out of the frustration of not being of knowing he couldn't really be at his best because he was just absolutely shattered you can read my piece on what's next for daniel levy spurs by going to theathletic.com forward slash spurs pod right now 
And just for listening to this podcast, we're giving you a 40% discount on a subscription. There are also a host of great articles on the demise of the European Super League and the departure of Jose Mourinho. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to subscribe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Even though Mason obviously has provided a lift and that was proven by the performance against Southampton, which was very good in the second half. And I'm sure he has lifted a lot of the players around the place, as they say. It is just still a squad that is looking pretty worn out. And, you know, some of that is not Mourinho's fault. You know, they've had a ridiculous schedule this year, which is the fault of the schedulers. They've played a huge amount of games um, in, you know, after playing a a lot of football in the second half of last season as well. Uh, so I think all the players, almost every team, are exhausted. And frankly, I think Mourinho actually did a pretty good job of managing the fitness of the players through the course of the season. At the same time, confidence is low. You can tell that. And I think that is more attributable to Mourinho. And also the lack of rotation, really, in the last sort of in the, in the last few months of his tenure. From a Spurs perspective, it's a shame that, I mean, look, I, I think the players played as well as they could have done. I don't think they didn't try hard. I think Ma- Mason said that repeatedly in his press conference afterwards, that they couldn't have given any more on the in the game. It's just a frustration from a Tottenham perspective that lots of those guys were not able to perform at peak at peak capacity. Because, you know, these Tottenham players can beat City. You know, Tottenham beat City twice in 2020, both in games where City obviously had the majority of the ball and the majority of chances. But obviously Bergwijn scored that brilliant goal in, in the one in February. Was it January or February of last year? City got a man sent off. And then in the second game, the one in the, almost the kind of peak Mourinho moment at the start of this season, was it, I think Son scored the first one from Kane's assist and then Kane set up the second for Lo Celso in the second half. So so th- these players can beat City, but to beat City, they need to be really on top of their games. They need things to go their way. They need to take their chances. And what's, what, if I, I mean, I'm not a Spurs fan, but if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be annoyed that yesterday the players were not able to perform at that level. So that was a frustration. I'm sure the Spurs players felt that too. I mean, I do think that tactical thing did make it quite a lot more difficult to do that, as we say, because you're basically just inviting sort of the first hour of the game. And I know early in the second half, actually, they did kind of have their foot on the ball quite a lot. But they're basically inviting like <laughs> constant attacks from Manchester City. It was just, you know, it was like incessant pressure. Um you know, and the irony of that is Mourinho is not a stranger to uh, first half substitutions, and that may actually, I think, have been what what Spurs needed really. I, I kind of want to pull up on one point. There's been quite a lot said about Spurs losing all these cup finals, and the one thing I would say about that is Manchester City are actually a pretty good team. And look, uh, you know, you're right. The Spurs can beat them, and they have done recently, as you just said. And you should never go into a game like that, kind of, with the mentality that you are 
the lesser team and you've got no chance, obviously. But I don't think you should necessarily be too downhearted at losing a game to a team like that. They're one of the best teams in Europe at the moment. At the end of the season, we may well be saying they're the best team in Europe. Two years ago, they lost the cup final, the European Cup final to Liverpool, who obviously then were the best team in Europe. Uh, what was the previous one? 2015 Chelsea, who I think the previous year, Champions League semi-finals, they won the league in that season, 2015. They were one of the best teams in Europe. And the one before that, Manchester United in 2009, who at the time were champions of Europe. So, uh, you know, obviously they've not won a trophy for 13 years and that isn't good enough for a club like Spurs. And there are a lot of questions to be answered there. But I would say the circumstances of those four finals, you know, they've not scored a goal, but they're not playing against chumps either. I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious comparison here, so I won't say it explicitly, but if they were playing against, you know, Birmingham City, Hull, Aston Villa in cup finals... Yeah, maybe things are a bit different you get the monkey off your back and then you're in a better position to beat better teams yeah Swansea got to play Bradford City yeah I mean that would be good wouldn't it <laughs> City playing Wigan Athletic in 2013 like a lot of and this is one of the reasons you know, maybe this sounds like a defence of, of Daniel Levy and Enoch but um, you know when it comes to actually winning trophies a lot of it does come down to luck it's the luck of the draw it's the ba- a bounce of a ball and Tot- as you said, and James is obviously right here, you know, Tottenham have been unfortunate that finals and even semi-finals, you know, the Poch lost FA Cup semi-finals to Man United and Chelsea. You know, he didn't get the luxury of playing a FA Cup semi-final against a much lesser team. Um, so a lot of it does come down to luck of the draw. And it's just, um, yeah, Spurs were just beaten by a significantly better team. And I did think, frankly, I think City were better yesterday than Liverpool were in the 2019 Champions League final. Yeah. Like I mean, the 2019, it's, it's really good, and I think one of the things is that people uh, people aren't willing to appreciate how good like Mares and Foden this season have been insanely good. Yeah, I mean, like two of the best players in the Premier League, and you know, and, and you chuck De Bruyne in there as well, who I think you probably agree with me, it's not a bad player. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like a really difficult team to play against. Yeah, particularly when they play that kind of not really a striker, a kind of it's kind of like a four four two with De Bruyne and Foden as false nines. Without and, that focal point, it's kind of harder to defend against, isn't it? Completely, yeah. And on another day, City would have scored four, could have scored four in the first half. I would be curious to know how different that game would have been if City had scored in the first five ten minutes, as they probably would have felt they should have done. Like, how, how different would the game have been? Would City have maintained the intensity for the rest of the half and tried to get two, three goals, four goals? Or would the game have then clicked and Spurs had played in a different way and got themselves back into the game? I, I would be very interested to see that. What do you think about Bale? Would you have played Bale? Uh, I, I, did, I have to admit, that was something that I was surprised by when I saw the team. I, I, I just kind of assumed that he would start. If you're asking me whether I would have picked him before the game, I probably would have done. But actually, as I said before, Lucas, I thought, played well. So I don't think you would look at that and say that was a mistake. One thing I like about Lucas is I do think he can be really useful in games where you're not going to have much of the ball. Like he does have a, like his work rate, I mean, his work rate off the ball is miles better than Bale's. Yeah, like, That's course. obvious. Like, um, But he's also got a, so he can put a bit of pressure on that way. He's also just got this like, kind of like scrappy scurrying thing where he'll kind of run down he'll run down the middle and run into someone or charge around and then maybe the ball will b- bounce his way you know what I mean like that's the kind, kind of, of thing that I think actually when, when they're playing against a, a lesser team that's actually kind of almost quite annoying that will pick the ball yeah, and beat four yeah. or five players and then run into someone and the ball will run loose but against a team like City when you're not getting any of the ball actually you know and like, this will be a Sontil a big uh, controversial moment in a second um but, you know, he, he picked the ball up a couple of times or more than the two times where he got fouled. Commits defenders, turns, beats a few players. And again, that's kind of like his equivalent of that Ndombele thing, isn't it? It's like allowing Spurs just to press, you know, to push up the pitch, to reshape, push up the pitch a little bit, take stock, 
you know, feel like they're actually going to be able to like lay a glove on Manchester City in some way. But unfortunately, Tierney, the referee, for whatever reason, decided not to book Laporte for the first foul, which obviously was a yellow card. But what's your take on that? Clearly, the first one should have been a yellow. Would Laporte have made the second challenge if he'd already been on a yellow? I don't know. But then what happens if he doesn't? What happens if he doesn't yeah, and, and Lucas has gone and they've got a three on two, I think, after that? With Kane and Kane and Son, the two free players. I mean, it's quite a good position to be in. I think Spurs were unlucky with the decision-making. Uh, but I suppose that really speaks to what we were talking about earlier, which is that Spurs can win these games. Of course they can. They've proven that they can. But they really need everything to go their way. Like, you can't afford to have one decision go one decision go against you. Yeah, Because exactly. um, the margin for error is so low in a game like that. How do you think it sets Spurs up, James, for the last... There were only five games left this season. This kind of never-ending season is actually coming... We're, we're in the final straight now. Putting the two performances together, obviously both very different circumstances, Southampton and then City in the in the League Cup final. Have you got a good feeling about the, the next five games? What I would say is three of those five games are at home to teams quite a lot further down the Premier League table. Two of them they've beaten away and one of them they drew away and should have beaten and conceded a goal right at the end of the game. Wolves, this is the other two, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. So I would say they should they should be taking nine points from those three games. I mean, that's never a given. But if they come back with a heads up and beat Sheffield United next Sunday, or this, Sunday, this coming Sunday, I should say, then I think they'll probably be looking at the league table and looking upwards at whoever's fourth, which I assume will still be Chelsea, whatever happens next weekend. But uh, yeah, Chelsea have got some quite hard games at the end and... Liverpool are sort of stuttering and West Ham, you know, you lose two games in a row suddenly in the battle for top four. I think that that can be pretty damaging as well. So, you know, the West Ham at Burnley next weekend and they've obviously had a very good result Burnley yesterday at Wolves. So I don't know. I don't think that's over that top four race. I, I do think Spurs will probably need to win. I mean, they'll need to win at Leeds, which I think is going to be a, a difficult game. I think Leeds are, Leeds are one of those teams that could beat teams better than Spurs but also lose to teams worse than Spurs you kind of they're like a sort of random result generator almost aren't they I mean they're an incredible team but they they have got both of those two things in their in their arsenal haven't they Leicester on the last day which is I, I was wrong I think I mentioned this last week it's actually the week after the FA Cup final I thought it was the week before but obviously there'll be kind of a few midweek games for Leicester with things getting shunted around I don't know. Leicester may already have got Champions League sealed by that point and be on a sort of on the beach or whatever. I'm sure they'll be very happy to keep Spurs out of the Champions League, of course. But it's not. It's not impossible. I mean, I think. I think if they got what would it be, 13 points from those five games, I think they probably would get fourth. They definitely need 11, 12, 13, don't they? They obviously have to win the home games. They have to get something from Ellen Road and they probably have to get something from, I was going to say Filbert Street, uh, from the King Power Stadium as well. What they're going to need really is they're going to need Harry Kane to get to, to be fully fit and to play out of his skin for the last five games because times like this when the big players really step up and I know Kane's obviously been incredible all the season and, not, and I'm not saying that it wouldn't it would reflect badly on him if he wasn't good but the, you know it's when you have these crunch runs at the end of a season when everybody else is looking exhausted, the, the the big players really deliver. And I'm sure, you know, Kane will be especially motivated as well with the, you know, he'll obviously want Spurs to finish as well as possible. Golden boot, top assists, PFA and FWA player of the season, back in the Champions League next year. It does kind of remind me of the end of 2012-13, the, the Gareth Bale, or Gareth Bale's last season, which I think we probably called the Gareth Bale season, when... Yeah. 
they'd had like the Europa League run they got knocked out by Basel and then it was all kind of uh, it all kind of felt like things were going to unravel and they'd had the sort of spiral of negativity game against Arsenal in that West Ham game like a few weeks before but then had a couple of bad results and it kind of seemed like maybe they were going to let top four slip away which obviously they then did but Bale kind of really stepped up at the end of the season and he scored like, goals against Southampton and Sunderland and maybe one at Stoke possibly they won a game at Stoke drew a game at Chelsea and it just kind of feels like they're, they're in that situation now where everyone else is on the ass. and like you say they kind of need Kane to to drag them through and hope that there isn't some questionable goalkeeping in an Arsenal game like there was in that year and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds DirecTV has the most MLB games visit DirecTV.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package high speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. One thing that, that struck me last yesterday evening at the game was obviously Son, Winks, Regulon, a few of the players looked really upset afterwards and Diet did as well after he did his, his post-game interview. And it kind of got me thinking, and, and I touched on this in, in the story that we published this morning, is do you think some of these Tottenham players are wondering when they might be next back in a final? Because right now it doesn't feel like this Tottenham squad... I mean, look, we don't even know the manager's going to be next season. We don't know which players are going to be there next season. We don't know which European competition they'll be in next season. Do you think some of these guys will be wondering that they don't... Um, when, uh, are they going to push for, for trophies next year or even the year after? It just feels like such a big... There's so many question marks hanging over this summer right now, James, that it's... Uh, it's difficult to be confident that Spurs will be back in a final anytime soon. Look, obviously, you come off the back of a game like that and off the back of a season like this, and I can kind of see why you'd say that. But we've said quite a few times in the last few months there's a lot of good players in that squad, which is obviously true. And clearly, they need to change some stuff both in the dugout and on the pitch. But, I mean, I don't think they're like a million miles away. I mean, look... <laughs> Teams have to be in cup finals next season. Uh, the FA Cup final and the League Cup final next season. And two teams, you know, it's not impossible it's the same two teams, obviously, but there will have to be two teams in those two finals. And there aren't loads of teams better than Spurs, are there? I mean, who who, who would you say with 100% confidence will be better than Spurs next season? City, at the Chelsea. moment, you say probably United. Chelsea definitely look like they're going to be better next season. I just, I'd only say City Liverpool and Chelsea. Last week, I think... Liverpool last week, you said were 
right like uh, you know absolute chaos they're the unknown quantity yeah um Leicester obviously were much better this season but you know you're stuck in Champions League I mean who knows what's gonna happen with Leicester this yeah. season so look, obviously they're in a very they're in a very bad place at the moment, and those players were disappointed, and they should be disappointed. But if we could have had this conversation a year ago, and you know they ended the season reasonably well, but sort of unconvincingly. And I think if we had a conversation then at the end of last season, you wouldn't have really thought there was loads of chance of getting to a cup final this season, season despite yeah. us at the time sort of still being of the mindset that Mourinho might have this semi mythical ability to inspire. Uh, the winning mentality, which is isn't a thing, uh, but but well, you know they got to a cup final by beating yeah. Brentford and Stoke. So uh, a- anything could happen. They'll need to show more quality than they showed yesterday and in quite a lot of the games in the last couple of months. But I, I don't think it's like entirely inconceivable. Like if you said to me Spurs are in the League Cup final again next season, I wouldn't it, now. I mean, it wouldn't be like completely blown away by that. It wouldn't really surprise me that much. You know, if they're not, especially if they're not in Europe at all. By the way, if if they end up not being in Europe yeah. at all, they can afford to take those competitions really seriously. When you know, particularly in the first half of the season, other clubs probably won't really be able to do that. I'd be very happy, but I wouldn't also wouldn't really be massively surprised. It's a good point. Not not being in Europe is really really helpful. You know, look at look at Chelsea, um, 2016-17, you know, after the because because of the Mourinho season, which was so bad it sunk them out of all of Europe. It meant that Antonio Conte could come in. So to clarify, you're talking about Chelsea in 15-16, uh, not Spurs this season. That's right, yeah. Yeah, but Chelsea because Chelsea had been so bad in 2015-16 when M- Mourinho's first big collapse, they were out of Europe for 2016-17 when Conte took over which meant that Conte only had to focus on domestic football. And he uh, he won them the, the Premier League and I think the FA Cup. Did they win the FA, FA Cup no, in 2017 or have no. they gone crazy? Didn't Arsenal win the FA Cup that season? I think they did. Why did I think that? Okay, well, no, sorry, I, obviously I'm wrong. Chelsea won the Premier League that season, which goes to show how beneficial it can be not being in Europe. Oh yeah, Arsenal beat Chelsea 2-1. I was there. Why did I forget that? It's so strange, isn't it, finishing a season with so many open questions about what the next season will look like. I can't really think of a think of an example. I guess in 2011-12, people kind of knew that it was quite widely known, wasn't it, that Harry Redknapp would not get a new contract at Spurs and that they would look for a new manager. And, of course, eventually that was AVB and Spurs, I think, brought in a few new players in that summer. But um, even then, there's probably less uncertain, more uncertainty around now than there was nine years ago at the the decline of Harry I mean I would say it's, I think it's quite important for the for like the self-esteem of the players let alone the fans for the team to end this season well yeah like if you know if they end in reasonably good form and like I say I think how, how many points was that I just said 13 out of the 15 but I think we'll get them Champions League but if they end up with say 11 or 10 uh, can you get 11 yeah you could get 11 yeah 11 or 10 um, and finish fifth or sixth and get into the Europa League which I imagine will be the way it'll work out because Chelsea and Leicester are both in the Champions League um, then you know that, that's going to feel like a positive end to the season after all of the nonsense and you can kind of have a little bit of optimism that they're going to get an exciting young manager in next season who's going to be able to give them a good opportunity to do well in the Europa League and to compete in the Premier League again. But yeah, if they're kind of feeling sorry for themselves for the next four or five weeks and drop points at home to Sheffield United or Villa or Wolves or whatever and, you know, limp over the line and finish seventh or eighth, then I think the summer's going to feel quite different. Quite. Well, um, that's all we've got time for on this week's podcast. Thanks again to James and producer Tom. Thanks to everyone 
for listening and tweeting us your your questions and comments. Keep them coming. Um, sorry we didn't get around to any of you this week. Uh, hope, hopefully next week will be a quieter week. Um, uh, and then we can we'll, we'll get stuck into the next week after the Sheffield United game, which of course is this Sunday evening at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. The Athletic.